Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. Our speaker today is Mason Cosby. For those of you that don't know Mason, he's obsessed with achieving ridiculous results for rapidly growing B2B companies. He serves as the growth director for Mojo Media Labs, and he ensures that they are constantly optimizing marketing efforts, practicing what they preach to clients, making it easy for B2B organizations to create predictable growth. And he also hosts a great podcast called The Marketing Ladder, which will be dropping into the link for his podcast. And we'll also be dropping the link for the SOAR Marketing Society in the chat. So Mason, I'll hand it over to you. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. I am super pumped to be here today um, because we are going to talk through how to build deep customer connections through content and community. Um, so if, if you want to hear another way of saying that, like we're going to talk through building your tribe and your industry authority. So with that, I always like to start by saying thank you. You are incredibly busy. You only have 168 hours in your week. And if you're like me, you like to spend somewhere between eight and 10 of those sleeping every single day. And you chose to spend about an hour with us. So I want to make sure that you're actually getting what you were hoping to get out of this. So again, thank you for joining. And then secondly, if you've got any specific questions, go ahead and drop those in the chat in the Q&A section, and we will get to those at the end. I'm going to quickly walk through today's topics. Um, I feel like in marketing, we always need to start by defining our terms because everyone has a different definition of ABM and MQL and SQL, and we just need to start by defining our terms. So we're going to start there, and then we're going to talk through how to set your goals, identifying your audience, clarifying your point of view, creating your content, and then walk through some examples of communities that were built through content, and then walk through at the end a content and community strategy that you can steal. So again, my name is Mason Cosby. I'm the Director of Growth at Mojo Media Labs. Um, so my job is really more the strategic element of our marketing efforts and then guiding people through our sales process so that if they want to partner with an ABM agency, they get to talk with me. What will also be critical for our conversation today is just my own experience building a podcast and small community called The Marketing Ladder and just walking through how building this, this content has started to foster community and is actually not just driving you know, community results, but also starting to drive business results for Mojo as a, as a byproduct. So with that, what is content? And from my perspective, I just always like to start by defining content is really anything that you create. It can be a LinkedIn post, it can be a podcast, uh, blog, ebook, webinar, emails. Essentially, if you're putting it out there on the internet, it's probably content. Everybody kind of generally agree with that concept. <laughs> Yep, I would agree. So what is community? And again, I'm gonna start actually with community on what it is not. 
Community isn't just a Slack group. Community isn't just a mighty network. Community isn't a social uh, networking group. Those are tools, those are helpful for fostering community, but they in and of themselves are not community. When we look at what community is, again, just by a pure definition, it is a social, religious, occupational, or other group sharing common characteristics or interests and perceived or perceiving itself as distinct in some respect from the larger society within which it exists, which is a really, really fancy way from Merriam-Webster of just saying communities are built on mutually shared beliefs or a set of values. So when we really think through the communities that we're a part of, there's something that connects us. And it's something that's deeper. So for example, when we look at marketing communities, I think we're all probably relatively familiar with the peak marketing community. And it's just a bunch of marketers that are striving to get 1% better every day. And their ultimate goal, that deeper thing, is they want to become CMOs or CEOs. SOAR, hey, what a great community right here. Um, the goal of SOAR is to help marketers earn a seat at the table with the ultimate goal of helping more marketers get into the C-suite. Again, proving the value that marketing can bring to an organization to not be viewed as a cost center, but to be viewed as a revenue driver. Or my own podcast, The Marketing Ladder, the whole shtick of that podcast is learning from marketing leaders to understand how they built their careers so that every marketer can learn a path towards success with the ultimate goal of helping more people break into marketing. And when you look at these different kinds of communities, again, there's a deeper purpose, there's a deeper meaning that connects all these communities. And as a result, they come together. So let's talk about building a community. Let's talk about building content that will foster continued community growth. You need to start by setting a goal and you need to understand for yourself, why do you wanna build a community? Again, there's lots of communities out there already. Um, you can pretty easily spin up a Slack channel and invite a bunch of people to it and have a bunch of people that are in there and call it a day. And especially right now, I feel like there's just a ton of people that are trying to build communities. So the question is, why? Because if it's just to drive revenue and if it's just to sell more of your products and to essentially provide a new direct channel through which you can do sales pitches, your community is not going to thrive. If anything, you'll get a bunch of people in and then they'll immediately leave because it's, it's not valuable. So for me personally, with the community that I'm trying to build and continuing to build, my goal is to help marketers land new jobs. And then also, I personally want to build relationships with industry leaders. So that's kind of the goals of, of what I'm doing with this podcast and community called The Marketing Ladder. What are you trying to help the community members accomplish? Again, there needs to be that foundational why but then the community members need to buy into something. What are they going to get as a result of joining this community? Even if it's free, you're spending time here today. You need to get something out of it. So what are you trying to help the community members accomplish? Again, for me, it's land jobs, or if you're on the hiring side, trying to help you find talent. And then finally, how will you measure the success of the community? One of the things that I love about Peak in particular is they are not measuring the success of their community based on how large the community is. Their whole goal, their whole thing is to help place 50 CMOs and 10 CEOs by the end of 2025. And that is how they measure success. So for me, I measure it by the number of marketers I've helped place into new job opportunities and the marketers that I've helped gain a promotion by the career insight and advice they get. So before I move on from setting goals, any questions around goal setting and recognizing the value that goal setting brings? 
Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, sorry, real quick, I was just going to say, I think that's, that's interesting, um, you know, especially because I see a lot of companies starting communities, and it seems like the goal of the community is to get people to use the product, mm -hmm. right, or to get smarter about the product. Um, and I just wonder your thoughts on that and, and how, because I, I think of it from a customer standpoint, and like how many communities do people really want to join to just learn about the product? Yeah. Versus getting something bigger and greater out of it. I think that's a super valid point. Um, from the perspective of, for example, like I lead a HubSpot user group around account-based marketing. So like I'm, I'm an active member of the HubSpot user group community. And it's clearly a product, but the community that HubSpot has built is less focused on selling more HubSpot. And it's more focused on how do you maximize this tool that you're already using? So I think that power users, I think it advocacy programs for existing companies to increase retention is a radically different approach than what I'm seeing a lot of companies are starting to do is just build a community so they can have a community. Like there's no real purpose other than community seems hot right now, let's build a community. So when you start with a why of like, what, what are you doing here? Like, what are you, if it is genuinely to help increase product usage, that's actually a good thing. Hopefully your product is helpful to people. That's not a bad thing in and of itself. But if you're only building a community to then build a community to then start doing requested MO posts every single day, that's not helpful. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a great call out. And I, I will be candid. I really struggled to know whether to start with identify your audience or goal setting because they really kind of go hand in hand. So this is simultaneous, um, but they needed separate slides because they're different questions. So um, honestly, in the process of setting your goals, you'll probably identify your community, or if you start with your, with your audience slash community, you'll probably identify goals as you go through that. But again, who do you want to serve? Um, you can start by looking at a specific industry. You can look at specific company roles, company sizes, um, company function. And when I say function, I mean like department or business model. So I've got a friend, Melissa Moody over at Gated, and she's got a Slack channel called Two Pizza Marketers. And it's the idea is like really small marketing departments that can sit around two pizzas. So she's starting to build a community around a company size and a specific role. Uh, for me personally, again, I'm, I'm focused on a role and honestly kind of a, a stage of career. Um, and these are kind of the, the, the things that I pulled out and the one that I want to highlight more specifically would be just kind of business model, because we're starting to see some communities pop up around product-led growth, because it's a very different way of going to market. And there are communities that are, are focusing in on product-led growth, like SDR, all, all the different business models. And where you'll really find some pretty significant success is when you start to mix and match some of these different things. So some of the most successful communities I've seen are like marketing manufacturing communities because it's not just marketing it's not just manufacturing but it's an industry and a function put together to talk through the unique problems and then verify viable solutions to those unique problems for that industry and that role so these are some ways that you can start to think through the audience that you want to go after and then where does your audience currently hang out so guilty i'm a marketer a lot of my community and my audience will be on linkedin um what I'm actually finding extremely enough manufacturing, um, there is a whole dedicated like Twitter thread on a weekly basis that is for manufacturing marketers. 
So a lot of manufacturing marketers, for whatever reason, they're on Twitter. Um, if you are an Amazon seller, the Facebook communities for Amazon sellers are massive. So there are companies that provide technology for Amazon sellers. So they're not going to be on LinkedIn. They're going to be on Facebook. So you need to figure out where your community lives. Um, there's also a rising number of people that are on Discord. So again, going back to that original slide of what community isn't, those tools are likely where your audience is hanging out in some form or fashion. Because um, the other thing that we're seeing on the rise is these communities that are on like publicly accessible social networks have become massive and they've lost that kind of intimate feeling of a smaller community. So people are moving their communities from these public channels into private networks like on a mighty network. So again, you need to figure out where, where your community is hanging out and then go be a part of the community. I also wanna go ahead and um, talk through like clarifying your point of view because I think we can all agree there's a lot of noise and community is a big thing right now. Everybody recognizes the content is king. So if you don't have a unique perspective, a unique point of view, if you don't have anything that's relatively new to add to the conversation, it will probably get drowned out. So what I always recommend to people, and I think this is really smart for, there was a friend of mine named Zoe, who is now the head of community at a company called Speckit. And they were like, we want you to come build a community. And what she said is for the first year and a half, we're not going to build a new community, but I'm going to become an incredibly active member of every existing sales and sales enablement community so that I can understand what the communities are currently talking about. I can understand the trends. I can understand where the gaps are. And then a year and a half into my role as head of community, we will build our own community. Her job is literally head of community and they don't have a community yet because she is getting to know the community. So that's what I recommend for people. There's already enough out there. Figure out what's going on. Be a part of the conversation. Be a part of the community. And then when you're in those communities, you can start to create content in those communities. And through the process of creating content and understanding those existing communities, you'll then start to find the gap. So just to go back to my own example, can anybody put in the chat how many marketing career podcasts they think that there are? How many podcasts are there on marketing careers? Can you tell me about it? All right. I've got Stacy. She said that there are 12. Anita says that there's gap. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a hundred. These are all great questions or great, great guesses. Um, there are three. There are three podcasts dedicated to marketing and careers. One of them publishes on a consistent basis of once a month. The other posts every like two to three months. So if you look up marketing and careers, I am in the top three podcasts by the nature that there are only three. And I've become a much more well-listened to podcast because I publish twice a week. There was a gap in the market. There's a gap in the content. There's a gap in that community. And as a result, people started to flock to it. So I wouldn't have identified that though if I hadn't been on LinkedIn for two years actively engaging with other marketers to see there's not a whole lot of people actually talking about like specifically how to build your career. There are people that like throw out posts about it, but that's not their niche. Nobody's 
claimed the niche of owning marketing careers. And when I started to really own that niche within the LinkedIn community, I saw my engagement start to go up pretty significantly, which was then the indicator to me of, this is a good thing for me to own. Like, this is a good place to be. And again, I want to clarify, like, come back to this because it's really important. The objective here is to make sure that there's not just more noise in the market, but that you're actually adding and contributing something that is unique and that is valuable. Again, when we all start out, we're contributing what we know, but through the process of starting to create content in existing communities, you'll start to refine your point of view and actually understand what can I say that is a unique, valuable, and differentiated approach to what is currently out there. And I want to be very clear, everybody has a unique point of view. Like you have your own experience. Your own experience makes it a unique point of view. You just need to kind of refine it through the process of creating content in these existing communities. And then once you, again, kind of joining the community and creating content, that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. When I say creating content here, what I mean is once you've identified that niche, you want to validate. You want to create more content for that niche and then once you've created content for that niche in an existing community, what you then do is ramp up another medium of content. So for example, that could be starting a podcast. That could be building a private community. That could be hosting webinars, building an email list, creating video content and video courses. And when you start to do those things, that is you putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is what I want to be known for people will gravitate towards clarity. So for example, there are people that you follow on LinkedIn, probably that all just kind of post about random stuff. They, they talk about their dog, they talk about, I talk about my wife, honestly. Um, they talk about their job, they talk about just, it's kind of this random hodgepodge. And we like to categorize people. We like to put people in boxes and that's not a bad thing, but if you can use that to your advantage and when you, actually put a stake in the ground and you say, this is what I'm going to be known for. This is who I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to help by creating a podcast or a private community. People will gravitate towards it and actually start to follow you. And what I love about the, the approach of finding the existing communities and creating content in those communities is not, you're not putting a stake in the ground quite yet. You're testing, you're validating. Cause I I've made a few posts about sales. I've made a few posts about marketing. I mean, if you post about my wife, you know, there's, there's numerous things that I can make posts about, but when I started to consistently post about marketing careers, that was when I became known as somebody that talks about marketing careers. And when I built a podcast, that was my stake in the ground. And now I want to really walk through this concept of how does all of this work together to then build your tribe and your industry authority. So when you put out content in the places where your audience lives, if it is actually relevant and if it is helpful, they will start to view you as an expert. And when you start to become viewed as an expert, people will flock towards you. They'll start to follow you. They'll start to engage with you. They'll start to recognize you day in and day out. And when they continue to flock towards you, your audience will start interacting with each other. And when your audience starts to interact with each other, your point of view that you've been sharing through your content begins the central connecting point in the main subject of the conversations that they discuss. And just to give you a quick example. Somebody told me yesterday, a friend and I talked about that he and a friend talked about me for two hours about ABM, about marketing 
communities, about content, about marketing careers, and just about LinkedIn. I had nothing to do with that conversation, but that was my audience starting to engage with each other and starting to build deeper, meaningful connections. And again, we've talked about this at the beginning. Communities are built through mutually shared beliefs or sets of values. And when your audience starts to engage with each other and they're having conversations over your thoughts, your point of view that is shared in your content becomes a mutually shared set of values for your audience. And as a result, you become viewed as an industry authority and you have a tribe that views you as such. I wanna give you a couple of examples because I just kind of threw, that's, that's a big concept and that's kind of a bold claim but if we look at people and communities like DGMG, Dave Gerhardt Marketing Group, for those of you that don't know, Dave Gerhardt kind of came on the rise as the original CMO of Drift. And he then created this, this thing called DGMG that was Dave Gerhardt Marketing Group that just started as a private Slack community to get access to his thoughts and to see what he was learning and to, to learn from him. And it's turned into a 4,000 plus community of marketers. There's a job board. There's a podcast, there's a book, and there's training courses. And on the community component alone, that's $10 a month. Dave Gerhardt makes $40,000 a month. Like people are paying $10 a month just to get access to his exclusive thoughts. And it's become quite profitable for him. He's built a whole business just around being a thought leader. Another one would be Refine Labs. So for those of you that don't know, Refine Labs, they have a podcast called The State of Demand Gen. And their whole business model really just started with marketing through building a podcast and posting on LinkedIn. And that started in late 2019. And as of today, they're a 20 million in annual recurring revenue marketing firm that has over hundred team members that was entirely privately held, completely bootstrapped. Uh, they're a leading voice in the marketing space. And you know that you've truly built a successful community and have a really successful brand when you can like print t-shirts that people will buy that don't work at your company. And they've built a whole merch line around their podcast. And I've already mentioned Peak. But again, it started as an open community for marketers that were just trying to get better. And it's become an exclusive invite-only community that is an incubator for the CMOs of tomorrow by providing access to some of the, today's top CMOs. And this community alone has already placed eight first-time CMOs this year. So they're trying to place 50 by the end of 2025. This year alone, they've already placed eight in six months. And again, these all started by somebody that was creating content that was helpful, built an audience, and then turned that audience into an actively engaged community. And I'm in the process of doing this as well, personally, uh, with the marketing ladder. Um, I used to just hop on calls with people to talk through their careers and to just help them. And what I realized is um, I can actually help a lot more people by building a podcast because I only have my own career experience. So if I were to ask CMOs and VPs and business owners how they built their careers, it would provide a variety of points of view on how to appropriately build a career. But through those different stories, I can pull out the lessons and I've crafted my own point of view on the fast track to building a marketing career. And again, it really just started, I didn't even have a title. All I had was seven guests lined up that were all in the marketing space that said, hey, well, 
we'll be happy to come on do and do a LinkedIn live to talk through our careers and hire or talk through the roles that we're hiring for. And today it's placed 20 marketers in, in new roles. And that's just in the span of the past year. And personally, it's increased my own following by about 6,500 people in seven months. Um, it's gotten me invited over onto over 15 podcasts. Um, I've been invited to about six speaking engagements this year and started getting invited to hang out at some exclusive uh, executive dinners. And for me as a marketer that is trying to sell into marketing organizations, this is incredibly helpful to be able to have conversations with CMOs in person, SVPs, and to build those one-to-one -one relationships with my customers. And then for Mojo, on a, on a grander scale, uh, the marketing ladder has become a main driver of our sales conversations. We have anywhere from 20 to some weeks, 50% of our sales conversations are driven by people coming through the listenership of the marketing ladder. It's also sourced in six months, $800,000 in pipeline and has already been the result of over $200,000 in close one revenue. So again, my goal with building the marketing ladder is to help people build their career and land new jobs. But when you build a community and you build content that is really bent on actually helping your audience, they will start to view you as an authority. They'll start to trust you. They'll start to, to lean into your expertise. And as a result, they'll buy from you. So don't build a community with the intent of like, we're doing this to, to sell stuff, but we're also all in business. Like marketing needs to prove value. And the way that we prove the most value is by being a revenue driver. And if, you, if you're curious on the ROI of this, my podcast is $30 in tech a month. So it's a pretty impactful revenue driver. The ROI is here. So here's the strategy that you can steal. Um, I started inviting your ideal customers onto a podcast to discuss the community. Again, you can... Like I've got the I've got the microphone now, but when I started my podcast for the first 13 episodes, I just used my laptop microphone. Again, the goal here is to get it started. You can then repurpose that podcast content into daily social posts and potentially even weekly blogs if you're trying to get a content machine up and running. Um, I would then connect with 100 industry-related people every single week on LinkedIn. And when you start to connect with your ideal customers, you'll start to build your following. And when you're creating content that is actually helpful for them, they'll accept. Um, I've done this since September. It's one of the ways that I, again, was able to build a following from 1,600 to or just shy of 8,000 as of this morning. Um, then join that community where your audience hangs out. I'm a part of Peak. I'm a part of Soar. I'm a part of Revenue Genius because that's where my audience is hanging out and I can be a part of those communities. Um, and then I would engage in those communities in a cadence that makes sense. So specifically, for example, Peak, um, people will post maybe once a week. So if I were to post every single day and peek about something, that would not make a whole lot of sense in that context. So you want to be nuanced to the communities and to the existing platforms. And then finally, you can then send out all your content through an email newsletter. So you're actually inviting people to subscribe to a newsletter. And if you were to create weekly blogs, a podcast, daily social content, engaging communities, like I want to be candid, this is a full-time job. Like this is not something that you can just like say, oh yeah, I'll do that in my spare time. but this is, this is the strategy that's worked for the marketing ladder to build a community of highly engaged marketers on LinkedIn. This is what's driving revenue for Mojo. And you can split this up amongst a couple of different people.
So real quick question on that, Mason, how, how long do you think it takes to, you know, get started with this before you're sort of in the um, revenue producing yeah. part of it? So we started to see sourced opportunities three to four months in, and then those opportunities closed a month to two months after that. So this is, this is about a, anywhere from a four to six month build up. But now that it's built, I'll give you another example real quick. On average, we have three to four sales conversations in a given week for Mojo. Last week, I had nine. Seven of those came from the marketing ladder. This week, I have five. And I want to also be candid of last week, I was in Dallas for two days. So I had nine sales conversations over the span of three days. This week is a four-day week, and I've already got five. Um, and three of those came from the marketing ladder. So once it's gotten rolling, it doesn't really stop. So it, it is a, I'm not going to lie, like it is a grind to get it started. But once it's going, the, the results speak for themselves. Awesome. So I always start by saying start today. I think that many people want to make sure that they've got the perfect strategy and they've got every single detail ironed out. And what I found is that most people spend a lot of time planning and they get stuck in analysis paralysis and they never actually execute. And you can set your goals and identify your audience. You probably already unintentionally did it through the course of this session. I mean, it, it was just probably intuitive. So just lean into that. And then from there, take a second to sit down and think through based on the goals that I have and the audience I want to serve, what is something that, that I can throw out that is unique, that is a, my point of view, that would be helpful for this audience. And I, I didn't get it right for the first six months. It took the practice to get it down. And there are days where I still don't get it right, but you need to have a starting point. So I would go ahead and think through what's my starting point. And then if we go back to this, I threw up podcast, blog, social, like this is a lot. This is, this is not something that I'm saying, start all of this today. But you may start with, again, finding that community and making a couple of posts. I know for a lot of people, they've never posted on a professional social networking platform. So that like first post, that's, that's going to take some, some effort and some courage on, on your part sometimes. So I'm not saying start here today, but this is the potential roadmap of what it could become. So for you, I build up a content plan and figure out like, where am I going to start? Like, what do I feel most comfortable with? I love talking, podcasting, webinars, totally fine for me. You may prefer writing. So figure out what's going to work best for you and just start. And the practical way to just start is put a date on the calendar that says, this is the day that we're launching our new newsletter. This is the day we're, we're launching our podcast. This is the day we're going to host this webinar. And when you put a date on the calendar and you give yourself one to three weeks, you can figure it out. Like when you give yourself a hard deadline and enough time to figure it out, you can watch enough YouTube videos. You can ask enough questions of industry experts. You can ask uh, in SOAR community. 
and you can figure it out and you'll get there. And the first time will not be perfect, but it will certainly be better than not having done anything at all. So now I have just laid out a lot. What questions do we have? Well, first of all, thanks for walking us through that. I know that you've uh, certainly been on this journey, which is why I was excited to have you come here to talk to us today about this because you're doing it in real time and, and being um, transparent about what it takes. And I love that yes. sort of experimentation mindset because I think a lot of people, especially marketers, go into um, perfectionism mode, right? And we want, it, yes. we want it to be absolutely perfect before we get something out there. So um, talk to me, I, I guess I have a couple of questions um, yeah. and would love to open it to the group as well. But my first thing was, you know, how, how do you kind of get into that experimentation mindset? So for me personally, and I, I know this is not, this immediate answer is not gonna be helpful, but like, this is for better and for worse, just how I think and how I'm wired, because I just recognize that things move so quickly that if we're not experimenting, then we're probably behind. By the time that something is recognized as a best practice, everyone else is already using it. And my job as the strategic lead of a marketing agency is to influence and sway the way that we help our clients go to market. So like my job is just naturally to be experimental. What I have found for many other people that like are in the same boat where they don't naturally lean towards experimentation is to do 75 to 80% of the things that are your, like, we know these are going to work. These are the things that we've been doing. They won't generate, you know, the, the crazy results, but they, they will be the predictable results that we can, that we can rely on. And then take 20% of your time to say, we're not going to judge this too harshly. We're not going to be too concerned if it generates results today, but we need to experiment to learn new things. Because if I had gone to, I, I'm, I'm blessed that the marketing ladder is a separate passion project, but I can't imagine walking into a C-suite and saying, hey, I'm going to build a marketing careers podcast that will generate revenue for our marketing agency. And I'm going to help our ideal customers place new talent in their, in their organizations. And that will drive revenue for us. Couldn't have predicted it. But when you do some of those things that are experimental and you actually, I mean, the easiest way to stand out is to do the things that no one else is doing what other marketing agency actually cares enough about their clients to help them place marketing talent. Don't know anybody else that's doing it. Mm -hmm. So when you, again, have those things that, you know, these are the predictable levers that we can pull. We're going to spend 80% of our time here. We'll spend 20% of our time doing the more experimental things to unlock those hidden gems that may not be as easily trackable, may not be the, the thing that we would have assumed would have been the biggest thing to work. But if we experiment with it, we might be surprised with what we find. Love it. Hey, Stacy, this is Jared. I've got a question. Yeah. Um, hey, Mason, uh, nice to meet you. Thanks for all the all the good content. Um, okay, so I, I was a couple of minutes late, so I apologize if you covered this right out of the gate. But I, what I wanted to know was, what exactly is you know, your offering or, you know, the maybe the set of offerings that really translate into dollars for you. Yeah. And, and how, how does, you know, is this community, is it the main channel by which you, you generate your, your business's income, or 
is it kind of a side thing or and, and the, the reason where i'm going with this is yeah. is um you know i see a lot of activity on linkedin and and other places and you know there's a, a lot of the messages you know monetizing content and posting and everything and and there are some some members of those communities that it's hard to actually tease out what are that what actually they're selling mm -hmm. like are they just are they just are they selling more um you know they are influencing the market to become influencers and they sell means to they, they sell offerings so that people can become better at influencing um but it just seems like a, a little bit of a pyramid scheme because yes. like if you you know so i guess what i'm like what is the unique or or the, or, or the set of things that that you are selling in your you know and how is your community kind of amplifying that and, and making it happen yeah that's a great question so can i counter back with a couple of questions of course what company do you work for so i am a self-employed solo consultant practitioner and marketing practitioner so well what kind of not, not quite marketing but um kind of <laughs> okay um well yeah the, the reason i ask is i know that within this community that there are essentially my ideal customers and what mojo sells is abm retainers so we help clients implement an abm strategy that is a predictable pipeline growth what the Sorry, what is abm uh, account-based marketing so it's a it's a b2b specific strategy that's for more complex markets so we're typically working with clients that are anywhere from 20 to 200 million in annual recurring revenue okay so i give you all of that context because my ideal customer is a cmo or a svp of marketing at a very large B2B, probably a tech company. Mm -hmm. Everyone and their mother is asking them about their marketing strategy. And it's inviting, like if they're being invited onto podcasts, they're being invited on to talk about their strategy. Whereas what, and I, I'll be candid, I stumbled into this. Like the whole goal of the podcast was really just to help people build their careers. It's turned into a major revenue driver. It was an experiment for me personally. And I now talk with them about the strategic vision behind the company and why they're hiring the roles that they're hiring for to help them achieve their long-term goals. Mm -hmm. So I've come in unintentionally through a back door because what, what is more indicative of where our company is going than who they're hiring. And then as a result, when they have troubles, I am now a trusted resource for the marketing community as a whole. Mm -hmm. And they come to me and they say, Hey, I need help with our, with our marketing. You know, we're, we had tried to make a couple of hires. They didn't pan out. We really probably just need to outsource to an agency. Do you know anybody? I say, actually, I am an agency. I work as director of growth. Would you like to have a conversation? And then we enter into a sales process. So gotcha. I, it is, it is, it's that experimentation. Again, I'm more concerned about their long-term well-being as a company and as individuals. I actually care about my customers like deeply because they're now my friends. Um, and as a result, when they need help, they also come to me. Does that pseudo answer the question? It does. It does. Yes. Thank you. And I, you know, I think with the, with communities, like what I, what I have found is 
when you join a community or you you know you just naturally kind of like become part of one just through your posting and who starts to you know engage with you and who you're engaging with i think there's a little bit of a risk of it becoming an echo chamber of oh these aren't necessarily my customers these are people who do what i do or do something that is adjacent to what i do we have the same set of interests basically they're not necessarily yeah. buyers so i you know I, what i what i'm interested in doing is you know how do i <laughs> leverage the linkedin algorithm to you know shift my reach into you know to a group of people that are more likely to consider you know buying my my offerings yeah so what i what i've done is i have a target account list of like named companies that i want to work with mm. and i then go in every single week and i connect with a hundred people at those specific companies so when i've built a following it is specifically within the companies that i want to work with and then i also in the process gain more followers and people connect with me because i'll be i mean i'll be candid like 50 no 47% of those that engage with my posts are in the marketing and advertising industry. So like I'll get a post that gets like 150 likes, 75 of those are my competitors. So that's not super helpful from a sales perspective, but what it does is it validates for the other 75 that I'm an authority that I actually know what I'm talking about, that I can be helpful. So that's not bad. I just know that, again, this is social media. Like not every single person is ever going to buy from me, but the fact that I had over the past two weeks, 10 sales conversations collectively that came through a network that I've built as a side passion project that validates for me, this is a worthwhile investment of time. Because again, it's like 30 minutes a day on LinkedIn, you know, popping into these communities and engaging with the communities there. Um, and then setting up one hour podcast interviews with people that are CMOs and VPs that otherwise probably wouldn't talk to me. And I think that's, yeah, a really important point on you're not inviting them to have a sales conversation, right? Mm -hmm. You're inviting them to, so I guess, talk a little bit about what's in it for them, right? How do you position yeah. this, that it's a win-win? It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a sales conversation because they're also getting something out of it. I mean, specifically within my, within the case of the marketing ladder, um, Mojo rarely actually comes up. The only times that Mojo even comes up is when I'm like relating to them over my own experience as a marketer. So most of the conversation is them sharing their life story, the way that they built their career, how, who they're trying to then hire onto their company. It's entirely about them and the company's roles that they're hiring for. I don't even mention Mojo. It's, it's not until two to three months later, because again, that was the starting point of a relationship with someone that is now a friend. Mm -hmm. And I'm in active conversations with CMOs at our target accounts six months later after them being on, our, on my podcast because we developed a, a genuine relationship so it's, yeah. it's less i mean it, it actually couldn't be further from a sales conversation like i don't even bring up the company but again it's they know that i exist and they like me from there we then take it into whatever direction needs to go it's also, as a side note, it, it's really a halo effect of brand goodwill because I actually care about my customer. 
So by the nature that I've developed goodwill and good rapport when they eventually enter into a sales process, I had somebody say to me today, like, you're kind of the last vendor that we're waiting on to get a quote from, but we like you so much that we've been patient with you because I know that you've had a lot going on personally because I was in Dallas for two weeks or two days last week and it was Memorial Day. Like, I'm getting grace and time to build a better proposal. And they said, we actually appreciate the time that you've taken to get to know our business. Like I'm the front runner, even though I'm the last person to submit a proposal. So that, that's it. I don't, I hope that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's great. I think, and I think, it, I think people maybe have a hard time. Um, I think it's about finding a topic and a reason, a value added reason to invite somebody into the conversation. That's not sales. It's not learning about your product, right? Or educating them on your product. It's about getting them to share their story, right? Getting them to build their personal brand, um, getting them published. There's a little bit of an ego play sometimes, I think, depending as well on the, the different types of people you're trying to engage with. And so, you know, recognizing that, um, that, that people are getting something out of it as well. So absolutely. I love that. Either we have a couple hands raised. I saw Kevin's hand went up first. Yes. Kevin's been very patient. Hi. Hey, Kevin. Hi, how are you? I, I am well, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Uh, thanks to Stacy to, for inviting me. And um, thank you for the value you're sharing with us. It's really valuable. Thank you. So um, I have a question, uh, it's kind of delicate. Uh, I've been I've been wondering when when you're starting to put out content and you're in a field that is very specific where you're targeting very specific people and the the major problem you're facing is that there there aren't any any leader that you're looking up to so that you can make at least similar or or a little bit of content that is that is uh looking up up to that leader in your in your industry how do you empathize more with the person you're targeting so that they feel like you are really talking to them when you have no one to look up to okay so if i may if i may quickly kind of relate back to the question make sure i fully understand like there's not necessarily an executive leader that that they're looking up to or that you're looking up to there's not really like industry thought leaders is that what you're saying but it's it's a bunch of people that are essentially for lack of a word like working their hardest and and doing their job diligently and well but they're they're really more focused inward on their existing job and role versus kind of sharing outward thoughts is that it yes Got yes it. um if i'm trying to solve your problem mm -hmm. but there's no one out there who's specifically solving your problem or let me just explain it let me just explain it sure. um in in b2b in b2b with businesses mm -hmm. i haven't seen i haven't seen um specific people who are solving website problems for b2b businesses 
I am seeing web designers, UX designers who are doing it broadly, like generally, they are solving every business problem. So what I did was I was I I I focused mainly on B2B businesses. And so I haven't found anyone who is a leader in that. That's what I'm talking about. Got it. Um one, I would go look up Sam Moss here in the podcast called B2B Made Simple, and he is specifically a web developer that has an agency called One Click Agency. So he is he is doing a lot of thought leadership specifically in the B2B website space and talks a lot about how to solve a lot of the B2B website problems. So that might be someone to actually invite onto your podcast. And then what he will likely do, because I when I have it on my podcast, he republished the episode to his podcast, which had a much larger following and then gave me more brand awareness. The other thing that you can then do is if you feel that there's a problem that's not currently being solved, but there are people that are addressing peripheral problems, you could still invite them onto a show and use them and use their existing influence and sway to start building your own thought leadership. So it is a co-branded kind of influencer marketing play in a, in a sense, in a, in a B2B marketing sense. So if, if you feel like there's not somebody that's owning a space, that's actually a good thing for you. Uh, like meet up with the people that are kind of in the peripheral spaces and then become the person that fills that gap with content that is helpful to your ideal customers and actually solve the problem. Does that answer your question? Oh, yes. Thank you. Perfect. Absolutely. All right. Anita, you are up next. Hi, Mason. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. I feel like we've had lots and lots of interactions. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Thanks for asking. So yeah. my question is, how would you approach the podcast building idea or community building idea if uh, the company is so technology oriented or the product is so specific uh, and very technical that you know, you as a marketer don't really have an insight and understanding about the technology or the product. I mean, very vague understanding, let's say. So in this case, you know, of course you can create a content by repeating somebody else's <laughs> words, right? Yeah. Or inviting the speakers, but even to invite the speakers, you need to have enough of understanding to ask the questions that are within the interest of the community you're trying to yeah. build. So would you like enroll like a real engineers to help monitor this community and this podcast and so on? Or, or how would you approach that? Uh, there's a couple ways you can do it. So if you go listen to like the first couple episodes of my podcast, or quite frankly, any podcast, it's rough. Like it's not good. Because um, I had never been a podcaster. I'd never done interviews. I, I didn't know what I was asking. And by the time we get to like episodes 50, it... It was great. Like it, it got better. Um, so I was technically a subject matter expert that then learned how to be better at speaking and podcasting. So you, based on the fact that you're a marketer and have probably got some experience doing this, you're probably a good podcaster. Naturally, you pick it up pretty quick. Um, so you can then either do the podcast interviews and be the audience and ask for lack of a word, like, 
the low hanging fruit questions to gain understanding from your audience. And by the time you've gotten like episode 20 or 30, if you've had 30 conversations with industry leaders, you can talk the talk at that point. Like you understand because you're, you're thrown into the fire or what I think I personally, like I, I call myself out on this more than anybody else. Um, director is a, is a title. And when we think about like directors and movies, they aren't in the movie, but I personally, as a marketing director am more of a marketing actor, I don't do as much directing. So if you are in a marketing director role, you can then set up all the appropriate frameworks and manage everything around it and equip a subject matter expert to then learn how to be a better podcaster. Those are the, so you can teach somebody else how to become a podcaster, how to be a speaker, or you can learn the industry by having those conversations and learning through the continuous conversations. But I guess, you know, so, so that was my like first thought, but then if we're talking about, you know, repurposing the content and posting and blah, 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 right, then uh, who should be posting? Should Because if it's posted just on the company page or whatever, mm -hmm. right, like that page has no followers, right, but it's like it's a page, yeah. right, it's a dead body, right, so so who should be posting like me that has no expertise in that matter just taking other people's statements or repurposing the content or should again should those engineers be involved somehow and assign half an hour of linkedin yeah. time you know to like posting stuff you know so i would say it's the it's the subject matter experts for the purpose that again we the, the LinkedIn post that I made today was people don't want to engage with vendors. They want to engage with peers. So if, as a marketer, you're a vendor. Whereas if you have the subject matter experts that are actually in the field in your organization that can become the thought leaders, you then become, um, it, it's peer engagement. So I, I would recommend going that route. That's going to take some training and some coaching because that's not something that comes naturally, but it's something that I, I would recommend investing in. And here's the final thought. Gary Vaynerchuk is a very controversial individual for many people, but the thing that has always stuck with me is he says, you can't outsource your personal brand. It's you. So some like it's a struggle. You've got to teach somebody, but at some point you've just got to like recognize that this is a good approach. And for lack of a word, you have to suck at it for a little bit to get better at it. And anything worth doing is worth sucking at for just a little bit so that you can be really, really good one day. Got it. Thanks. Absolutely. We have got three minutes and two questions. So I want to, I want to get to both questions. Hey, Karina, good to see you. Ashley uh, had, had raised your hand first, but Karina, I want to get to your question in a second. So Ashley. What... Yeah. Hi, Mason. Hi. Um, so I wanted to ask um, about your process and maybe recommendations for finding communities um, to yeah. do my research. Um, so to give some context, my company does IT placement and consulting. Okay. Um, we work with a really wide variety of IT professionals that have different areas of expertise and at our totally different levels in their career. Okay. Um, so I've requested to join a few LinkedIn groups with um, keywords like IT professionals or tech professionals or IT networking um, in the title of the group, but I didn't know if you have other recommendations for um, other communities that I could look into or even yeah. starting point. So there's the classic make a LinkedIn post asking because 
I mean, when people do that, like they'll get some level of response. And specifically when it comes to community, like we're all generally marketers here. Um, I have the great blessing of marketing a marketing agency. So I get to hang out with my ideal customers all the time. And I recognize that's a unique position. So in, in your case, what I would then look to do is essentially follow a trail. So like one community will lead to another, will lead to another. So like I found out about Peak and through DGMG. And then I found out about SOAR because a friend of mine named Michelle Griffin introduced me to Stacey and Stacey came on my podcast and then I am now here. So when you, it, success breeds more success. So the more communities you're a part of, the more communities you'll find. <laughs> okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Perfect. Great question. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Karina. Hey, Mason. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good. Been a, been a little while from talking on our, what, number 10th podcast you did or something? Uh, episode eight. <laughs> eight. There we go. Uh, and yeah, and I was very rough on that one too. <laughs> I was um, an awful host. Thank you for being no, patient with me. You did great. It was a conversation and I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, that it was good. Um, so my question is, is many people say, you know, marketers are like, Hey, we got to get a podcast going. We got to get a podcast going. And then many people push back to say, Hey, um, I don't think it's worthwhile or I don't, you know, it's, it's not going to get you know, revenue or opportunities. It's just another activity. Um, so I'm just curious, how long did it take you to get those opportunities and the revenue and how yeah. did you attribute those opportunities and revenue to the podcast? Great question. Um, Many of the people that have come through the pipeline have actually been guests on the marketing ladder. So they didn't know about Mojo prior, and then suddenly they're coming into our pipeline and we have conversations. Again, our sales process is still small enough that essentially like we have a direct understanding of where everyone is coming from because we have direct conversations about it. Um, an open form, like an open field on your form that says, how did you hear about Varent is a, is a huge help as well for self, um, self-attributed reporting. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as pipeline, it was about three to four months. And then revenue was a month after whatever that was. And the way that I would frame it to your existing leadership is how much would you pay to get direct industry insights from 50 of our target accounts over the next year? It will cost an hour a week and $30 in tech a month. That's great. Yeah, I think, you know, my last job, as I mentioned on our, our podcast, I was at Epicor and mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I preached it, you know, it's not going to take much. I mean, we do webinars all the time. And so, you know, they just couldn't get over, you know, that, you know, it's a podcast, it's going to just cause all these resources. So instead I said, well, let's just do webinars. And if you're comfortable doing webinars, let's just do yep. those. And so that's what sales did and got an expert to talk about it. Actually, a, a salesperson said, hey, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be that leader. I'm gonna be that that host. And that's what we did monthly. We just did it once a month and said, Love okay, it. you're the host. Let's come up with these problems that you're trying to address and let's address them. And, and did it as a webinar instead of a podcast. So I think there's different ways to do it if people are nervous about the whole podcast situation. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, well, Karina, thanks for the thanks for the question. We need to catch up, but yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dave. everybody. If you want more practical growth content, just go connect with me on LinkedIn and ask me for whatever you need. And I'd probably have written a blog or posted a podcast or done a webinar on it. Um, 
or also go check out Mojo Media Labs. We've got tons of practical content on there as well. Um, and then there's my email. If you have any further questions, we'd be happy to, to connect with anybody. So thank you all for, awesome. for coming today. Thank you, Mason. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out ScrappyABM.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.